Okay, Shvuatov, good evening. We're on page Mem Aleph, Ahmed Aleph 41a. And we want to know, uh, we threw out a um, Rabbi Yehuda, an opinion that says that those things which the Kohen Gadol did in white, uh, wearing the white garments, not the Kohen, regular Kohen Gadol garments, not in the Holy of Holies, may not be essential. They may be are, but there's no proof that they are. Uh, normally, when he wears Kohen clothes, you can only do essential services. But now he's wearing his whites outside the Holy of Holies. The question was, is the lottery essential? So the Gemara quotes on top. We were quoting a Sifra, and who is that? Rabbi Yehuda, the Ketani Hagorol Asuchatos. And he said the only way to make uh, the uh, goat into a sin offering is through the use of a girl. The ain Hashem And not declaring it a chatos, you specifically need the girl. Alma hagorl ma'akfa. So we see that it's a necessity to throw the lottery, not just an option. This would conclude that the opinion that says it's non essential is incorrect. It definitely is essential, even like Rabbi Yehuda. Okay. Om Rechista. Rechista taught the following. How do you turn something into a Corbin? How do you give it the type of holiness that it has? So uh, one way to tell is by a bird offering. When a person brings a pair of birds, there two birds are called kinim, and they, uh, there's two types of offerings. One's an ola and one's a chatos. So Rechista taught, Eina kinim mispareshes. You can only um, make a kinim, a set of birds, in a particular category, either when you take them, uh, or when the Kohen makes them, when the, the Kohen, in other words, when you take it or make it, when the owner first acquires them, he acquires it as that type of offering, or, or when the Kohen actually puts it in that category and processes it a certain way, that the take it or make it is how you do it. But just calling something would not make it uh, in that category. It has to be either when it's first acquired or when the Kohen makes it. Om Rashi, my time at Rivkista, how does he know? It says either he, when they take the birds or when they process them. Or either when you take it or when you make it. The more is a question of something we said earlier. We said, we said, how do you turn the goat into a sin offering? When the lottery is done, that makes it into a sin offering. You can't just call it a sin offering. But I would have thought that maybe you could. You could have thought that. It's logical. There are certain types of offerings where there is no lottery. There, there is, the lottery isn't what makes the offering what it is. But Kiddush Hashem, but calling it something... That's how you dedicate the offering, Makam Shekidish Agoro, in a case where it could be dedicated with the Goro, Enudin Shekidish Hashem. Certainly uh, it should work that uh, the uh, it should work that you should be able to sanctify it verbally. Tamalamar, we said no, Basukatos, uh, you turn it into a sin offering, Hagoro Asukatos, Enashem Asukatos. Specifically, the Torah specifically says over here that only the Goro works, but not a verbal declaration. But over here, why would I think a verbal declaration would work? Why would I think that the shame, calling it a name of a certain kind of offering, would work? Um, 
Over here, it's it's not the time when you're taking it. It was taken on Erev Yom Kippur. And it's not being processed yet. The Kohen is injecting it now. And Viktani Dekava. And we're saying that if it wouldn't be that it was the lottery that's needed, you could just declare it. So we see that a declaration works even not when you take it or make it. We can explain this. In a case where you don't make a lottery, even if you had made a lottery uh, when you took it, or or when you made it, still, you're able to uh, make it with a declaration when you take it, when you make it, in a case where you're able to make it holy through a lottery, even when it's not when you take it, or not when you make it, certainly it should work when you make a verbal declaration. So if we just tweak the words a little bit, it definitely will fit in with this explanation. Uh, we, again, we made a statement of Rilchista that the, the only two times you can put an offering in a category to make it a certain type, either when you take it or when you make it. And we had a question about, over here, we were considering being able to, to uh, uh, classify an offering through a declaration, and it wasn't at the time of taking or making. And we answered, no, maybe it was talking about only at the taking or making time, so Tashima, let's see if there's another place where it's a little more clear. Mitame Mikdoshani. There's a halacha of sliding scale. There's an idea that if a person sins, it can't be that only a wealthy person can bring an offering and fix the sin, and that a poor person can't afford to do that. So there's a sliding scale offering where a poor person can bring an inexpensive bird as an offering. That's called an, a poor person, an offering of an ani. And uh, the sin we're talking about here is somebody went in the base of Migdash and he was impure and he didn't realize it. So, mitami Migdash Ani. Let's say a poor man did the sin of going in the base of Migdash. Behifish most Lakino. And at that point, all he could afford was birds. So he set aside a small amount of money for the birds. Vahashir. And before he brings them, he becomes rich. And now when he's rich, a rich person can't bring a poor man's offering. So he says, Eiluchatasi Eilalasi. And he sees that he set aside a small amount of money and he separates it and says some of the money was for a chatos and some was for an ola. Mosif will maybe chavasa. Now, the rich offering, there's not a chatos and ola. The, the way it works is that when a person is poor, he brings two inexpensive birds. And if he's rich, he brings a sheep, a goat, a cow, which is much more money. But if he brings the two inexpensive birds, one's a burnt offering and one's a sin offering. But when he brings uh, the cow or the sheep, it's only a sin offering. So over here, since part of the money he set aside was for a burnt offering, and now he's in the category of a wealthy person, he's not bringing a burnt offering, only a sin offering. So he can't use the money that was set aside as a burnt offering, but he can add to the money that was set aside as a sin offering till he reaches enough to pay for his rich man's offering. He can add to the sin offering money. He can't add money to the, the Ola money that was set aside because the money was dedicated for the poor man's Corbin and his rich man's Corbin is a different type. Now, how could that money be dedicated? That money was not when the offering was taken. 
of a lashasasiu, or where the offering was made. Vekatani uh, de and we see it works. So this seems to conflict with your Chistus teaching. So Amrashesh's Vitisra, you're asking me a question from that statement as if that statement is a logical statement and it's been confirmed that the wording was correct. There's another problem with that statement. If you're a rich person and you bring a poor person's offering, you lo yatsa, you can't do it. But even the lo yatsa, since a rich person can't bring the the offering of a poor person, so how would he be allowed to declare what the money's going for? He's not eligible anymore to bring that type of offering. So there's a specific question here on that case. What do you mean the rich person is going back and saying what category the offerings were that he was bringing? Once he's rich, he no longer is connected to the poor man's offering. Elamai, what are you going to say? Shikbar Amro Miniaso. What we mean is the case was he had already previously separated the offerings when he was poor. So here also, this case is Shikbar Omar Mishas Tafrasha. He already separated it when he first got it. So that doesn't conflict with Ruchista's teaching. Fine, so far we have attempted, Ruchista said that you can only declare an offering when you take it or when your Kohen makes it, and we haven't found anything that conflicts with that. So where's the question? As we turn the page, he says, Yotza, he says uh, that a rich person could bring a poor person's offering. And so, according to him, it is correct that the rich person declared the, the poor offering which category it was in, even though it wasn't at the make-it-or-take-it stage. So how is he going to explain this make-it-or-take-it rule? So the answer is he can fit it in too. Lo tamer v'achakomer. Don't say that when he was rich afterwards, he decided which category it was. What it means is afterwards he purchased and he got the birds. So it was at the time where he took it. That's if he's taking it, and then he could add to it and bring his chov. So the more has a question. Well, if, the, um, if he uh, took one of the birds already and declared it a, uh, a chatos and now he's rich, and he wants to add to it. Um, how do you? The, how would you add to it? Mind you, the only thing we could think of is you would redeem the bird and then buy a bigger animal. But we have a different rule, ain't poden loaf. You don't normally birds are not eligible for redemption. So how is he going to learn the case? He only bought one offering, one bird. So e ola. So if he bought an ola. So and then he became rich. So zavin umosiv will maybe chavasun may kosiv. So iola zavin if he bought the ola. So that's fine. He, the ola he can't use now because he's bringing a rich man's offering, which is a chatos. So mosiv will maybe chavasun may chatoso. So he can still use the rest of the money that wasn't used yet to buy a sin offering. Add to that money and buy the sin offering of the rich person. What do you do with the Ola? By Ola, oh, that, that'll go in the pushka. That's a donation. On the other hand, if the bird that he bought was the sin offering, so then he's stuck because he can't use the other money that was for an Ola. And he can't use the sin offering, the bird, because you can't redeem the bird. And he's not able to use, it comes out in this case, he's not able to use any of the funds from the bird that he set aside when he was poor. 
Uh, now the Gemara. So basically, again, we ha- we brought Rav Chista, who said the time of designating korbanos is when you take it or when the Kohen makes it. Uh, we haven't found any statement that really conflicts with that. So that statement has held up. Now we just want to examine something we taught previously. Let's say he sinned in the base of Migdash when he was rich. And and he tries to get away with bringing the poor man's offering. A rich person can't bring the poor man's offering. He says you could. More is the question. Let's try another case where the sliding scale offerings work. ani, a poor leper. Shehebi korban usher. He brings the rich person's offering, even though he's poor. Yatza, he can if he wants to be a, uh, he wants to spend extra money, even though he's not obligated and he doesn't have it. He has fulfilled his obligation, even though he's poor, and he brings a rich man's offering. Usher shehebi korban ani, but a rich person who tries to get away with the poor person's offering, lo yatza. We can understand that. Uh, a rich person can do much better. That's not really an atonement. So um, why is that different than what we said uh, by the laws of impurity? Why is the, le- the leper different? Because it says this way. It only goes one way. So then the Gemara says, well, if that's true, in the first case also, the Torah says plural, it says the poor person can bring the rich person's offering, if that's true. So then the rich person, Yochal Filo Asher should bring the poor person's offering. Tamilomar Zos, no, only this way. It only works one way. The poor person can bring the rich offering. The rich person can't bring the poor man's offering. I, why don't we learn one from the other? The answer is, No, only the poor person gets the sliding scale poor person's offering. Okay, we're at the Mishnah. Kesher Lushens. Now the Kohen Gadol continues on. With the scapegoat, so Kesher Lashon sells the Horis Barosh Sir Hamishdalech. He ties the red ribbon around the head of the around the horns, actually, of the scapegoat. Um, they ask a question: How are you allowed to tie? It's Yom Kippur. So uh, one answer given is that it's just a loop, not a, a regular knot. You can make a loop like you could tie a shoe, but you just can't make a knot. So he ties a loop on the head of the goat on Yom Kippur. Vemido Keneged Beishulcho. And that's placed in the part of the sanctuary where it's ready to be sent out. Ulanishkat, and then the other goat uh, that's going to be shechted, that's put near the slaughterhouse where it's going to be processed to be brought in the Beis Hamikdash. Now we go, the Kohen Gadol goes to the second car. He's a busy man on Yom Kippur, and the first para was to atone for himself and his direct family, and the reason why is that he can't atone for others. Uh, when he has sinned. So the very first thing was for him to do teshuva. Now he's got to fix the kohanim. And then the final one will be for the rest of the Jewish people. So they bring him the second cow. He puts both hands on it. And he confesses. And this is what he says. Hashem, Please Hashem. He pleads with Hashem. It's a question of the order here of the sins. We actually quoted it earlier. Do you start off with the lighter sins, the mistakes? and then deal with those that you did on purpose? Or do you start off with the worst ones and say, I'm guilty of it all, uh, and you, but you do mention that I sinned in front of you, I need you basing me in my house. B'nai Aaron, the sons of Aaron, your holy people. Anat, so first, the first thing you do is just admit you did wrong. Then you ask Hashem to help give atonement. Anat, Hashem, please Hashem, kaperna, help us, forgive us for these sins. Ul peshoim l'chatoim, she'avisi, that we have done, she'peshati, we've rebelled, v'she'chatasi, that we made mistakes in front of you. 
myself, I am included, Ubeisi, and your house, B'nai Aaron, the sons of Aaron, Am Kedoshecha, your holy people. Now, how do I dare ask the Almighty for forgiveness? Because this is what you wrote in the Torah, Kibi Yom Hazeh, that on the day of Yom Kippur, you can help us get our sins forgiven, to purify us from all of our, our sins in front of Hashem, we purify yourself. And when the, the people around the Kohen Gadol heard this, and they hear the name of Hashem, they say, Baruch Shein Kavod, Malchuso, Le'olam Ved. So now, the Gemara wants to know, when we mentioned the two ribbons, so we said you put the ribbon on the scapegoat, did we mean also you put the ribbon on the other goat as well? Do you also tie it on the one shechted? And it means that you tie it around the neck to show that this one is going to be shechted. Oh, we just meant that you stand it up near the slaughterhouse, not that you actually tie a ribbon around it. So you tied to the scapegoat and you put the scapegoat on the part uh, to the area where it will be taken out of the temple. Ula Nishkat and the other goat that's going to be slaughtered, Keneged Beishkitaso, you tie the ribbon where you're going to shecht it, which is the neck. Now, why do you do that? Shalois Aris, that the two goats shouldn't get mixed together. Velois and they shouldn't get mixed with other goats that may be in the slaughter area. If you say that you're tying it around the neck, so that would explain that the animal that's going to be slaughtered won't get mixed with other goats because it has a red ribbon around its neck. Shopper. But if you're going to say, you're just standing it up near the slaughterhouse, it's true, you won't mix it up with the scapegoat. The scapegoat has the red ribbon, the red flag around its horns. The high cutter bay was already tied to it, the low cutter bay, and this one doesn't have anything tied to it. Bachrina was something else. I'm sorry, low katrabe, but Bachrina, but if that's true, the non-scapegoat could easily get mixed with the other goats. So Shmaminak, Shirakoi, that both of them get a ribbon. One of them gets a wide ribbon that's used later on to tell if our sins are forgiven. That's the scapegoat. And uh, the other goat gets a smaller ribbon that just goes around the neck to keep you from mixing it up with the other goats. Shmamina. First wide line. I heard about two different ribbons, two different fabrics. One of them by Paraduma and one by Sirmishtaleach. One of them needs a minimum size. The other one, it doesn't say how big it is. But I forgot which one. So Omrev Yosef. Next, let's see. The Sirmishtaleach has to be divided. Uh, you cut it in two. A half goes on the goat that goes over the cliff, and the other half goes on the stone. Boy, shear. So you need, that one clearly needs to be big enough to split in two. The shell para, but the paraduma one, the low boy chalucha, you don't have to cut it in half, so low boy shear. There, there you don't need a size. He says paraduma also has to be big enough that it weighs something. Uh, and the reason why is that you wrap the paraduma, the, hish, the hyssop branches and the cedar branches in the uh, scarlet, uh, in, the, uh, in the red fabric, and you throw it in the fire. And if it's not heavy enough, you won't be able to throw it in. So there's different opinions whether that's a requirement. But are you sure that the para also doesn't have to be split in two? It said, what's the process with the paraduma? 
so again, we said there's a debate whether the paraduma also has to be big enough to be heavy to be thrown in the fire. But now Gamora is asking, doesn't the paraduma also get divided? Didn't we learn the following? How do you perform the paraduma ceremony? Kokan bishiri lashan. You do the leftover pieces of the ribbon and you tie together with the hyssop. So that implies that the ribbon is, is divided in two. So Gemara said, it doesn't mean it's divided in two. Shire could mean bezan of lashan. It could mean the thinner part of the a ribbon. There's the, the tail end. That's an expression. So there's really no proof that it's broken in two. Um, the, uh, the part of the ribbon that's put together with the cedar wood and the hyssop and the, um, uh, the red color, what happens if you, as long as they hit the fire, uh, even if they don't fall in it, they're kosher. Then everything is good. If it only gets singed, but it doesn't fall in, you got to bring another one and do it again. So does it got to go in the fire? Does it not? If it goes in the fire, then it's fine. If it just goes over the fire and gets singed a little bit, then it's not good. Uh, um, uh means that it uh, goes over the fire, whereas nikfefis is it goes into it. Uh, the Torah uses that word. It says that it, it has to go toch srefes apara into the fire. Rava says kovetanoihi. We had this debate whether it has to be uh, the paraduma uh, ribbon has to be heavy. The Tanya lamekork. And why do you wrap it in the ribbon? bagura that it should all go together. Diva Rebbe. Her Lazar Shimon says, no, COVID. it should be heavy enough to fall into the fire of the para. So we see there's a debate about the paraduma ribbon, whether it needs to be a certain size to be heavy enough uh, to be tossed in the fire. He learned it a little different. He says, I heard about three different ribbons, three different tongues of fabric, one by para, one by the goat that sent away, and one by the leper. There's also a mention of this uh, fabric. Uh, one of them was Tenzuz, one of them was uh, Mishko Sorazuz, Vachas Mishko, one was two Sloyim, Vachas Mishko Shekel, the Ainli Lefarsh, but I don't know how to explain which one was which. So Kiasa Ravin, when Ravin came, he said, I'll explain it. Pirshme, dear of Yonason, and we will find out tomorrow which ribbon weighed which amount. Okay, good evening, everyone. Be well.